1: Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler.
2: Welcome to Leadership Development News: Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We have my esteemed host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and in this call, both Kathy and I want to talk about some of the emotional intelligence strategies. We really want to take the opportunity to zero in on some of the tool strategies that are facilitated by taking the Emotional Quotient Inventory. It's a a tool that's been around for a while. Kathy and I are both certified in it. And between Kathy and I, we've helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. And what we really want to highlight is this uh, tool, the EQI, which we'll tell you a little bit more uh, about that. We want to be able to take a deeper dive into looking at some of the key competencies. So you can walk away with today's call first knowing a little bit more about emotional intelligence, kind of the reasons we're doing it, some of the research, uh, some of the aspects about the EQI, and then um, it has 15 competencies. We want to take a deeper dive into three of them. So with that, let me introduce uh, Dr. Cathy uh, Greenberg, my co-host. We've been doing this for four years now, and it's always a delight to work with Kathy. And Kathy uh, coaches leading executives in their entire companies on her proven happiness equals profit strategies. She's authored multiple books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know, her latest number one bestseller, uh, What Happy Working Mothers Know. We uh, recently did a show where we talked about one of her new books called The Feelers Leaders that she's doing with TC North. And she touches millions of folks as a speaker, TV, radio, and media personality. She's the founder of the renowned consultancy uh, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People. And she currently offers friendly tips, tools to be your best at work and at home on ABC's show, The Morning Blend, and her new TV web show, Your Happiness Now. You can visit her at her website, h2cleadership.com, for free downloads to access your true talents and happiness and job satisfaction. And also, Kathy and I have, share a website, excelinstitute.com, where you can see kind of the latest things that Kathy and I are bringing to you around emotional intelligence and peak performance. So, Kathy, welcome.
3: Thank you, Relly. You know, it's always very, very exciting when you and I get an opportunity to spend our airtime talking to our audience about things that are not only the latest and greatest in the world of leadership development, but when we get to focus on our sweet spots and the things that we're doing to enhance uh, what we think business people should be enhancing and focused on top-line real results in order for them to get buy-in from their key decision-makers and to help them and their clients be the best they can be. So I'm really excited about today's show. And for those of you who are uh, just too busy uh, to listen to us on a regular basis and may not know who my esteemed co-host is, Dr. Relly Nadler is a master-level certified executive coach. He's a psychologist and a corporate leadership and team trainer, and Dr. Nadler brings his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and development programs. Dr. Nadler's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides hundreds of tools and techniques and strategies to develop star performers across industries and in your organization. His highly respected work is the focus of countless business journals, blogs, and online news features, and his programs are a mainstay at leading Fortune 500 companies. You can visit Relly at truenorthleadership.com for his free iPhone app on emotional intelligence and many downloads to access your best performance through emotional intelligence. So, Relly, I'm very excited to spend the time with you.
2: So, my, like Kathy, I think we're both excited about our, our joint effort. And one of the things, along with many things that bring us together is this aspect of emotional intelligence and some of the research, and especially around the emotional quotient uh, inventory. But let me first say a, little thing, a few things about leadership in general, because we're both very evidence-based. We want to bring some of the top new research, you know, on why leadership development news, and then we'll zero in on more specifically around the EQI. Well, Kathy, um, you and I both know because we're in organizations almost every day that 40% of organizations say that they're be experiencing a significant gap in the number of skilled and trained leaders available for new job opportunities. So that's a huge gap, and there's a couple of different reasons, you know, why that is. One is we're at this uh, historic leadership chaos. And that's a, it's a brain drain. And what do we mean by this brain drain? We're losing brains. And so uh, one of the uh, reasons is that with the Great Recession, we've lost about 8 million jobs. You know, so 8 million brains have left the workforce. And then we also have another uh, historic leadership uh, situation happening with the retiring baby boomers. Those between 55 and 65, they're leaving. It's going to leave another shortfall of about 10 million workers. And then we have the Generation X and Generation Y, the folks in their 30s and 40s. As they move into these new roles, these new positions, we've also found that they have a little less emotional intelligence, and it really is hour for hour if you're in front of someone or you're in front of some kind of screen, be it your computer or be it your phone. For every hour that you're in front of a screen, you're not in front of a person. If for every hour you're in front of your phone, you're not in front of a person, and some of those skills that we are now bringing more to leaders about dealing with others face-to-face. Um, today, another piece of research, there's um, more and more project teams that people are involved in than they were 10 years ago. So you're constantly dealing with more and more people. And so those are some of the reasons, you know, for the, uh, main, the uh, brain drain. The other thing, Kathy, I wanted to, to mention, that I think that leads into where we're going. Some, new, uh, some of the new research from the Deloitte Consulting Group is just the changes in the work world. We have a lot more flattened organizations today, um, meaning that there's less roles and positions for people to get promoted to. The span of control means how many people report to you. Um, now is greater. And so it really uh, is very important as as a leadership crisis, how are you dealing with those folks? You can't offer them a new position Um, like you may want to because there isn't one there. But what you do need to do is have them be engaged and be productive. And today, 45% of Americans are saying they're satisfied with work. So... Uh, 55 are saying they're not. So this is the lowest level in 22 years in studying the issue. And about one out of five are truly passionate, and that's what we're trying to help you do is develop more passionate, committed, top performers. So Kathy, I wanted to check in with you in, in regards to you know, any of the, the data that you're seeing uh, in your work, and then maybe say anything about the, uh, EQ, how the EQI can help us.
3: Well, you know, you point out a lot of interesting facts and figures that are obviously going to impact a number of different aspects of work life. And um, as we go through today's program, hopefully we'll be able to bring to light how those um, historic um, you know, leadership intersections, uh, which um, which we've seen coming and which we know are continuing across industries worldwide, can be... Um, brought under control, if you will, by using some simple uh, assessment tools like the emotional quotient inventory 2.0. And one of the things that we know the tool has reassessed and reorganized to make it more effective is the whole aspect of happiness and optimism, which is my sweet spot. And one of the things that we are all very aware of uh, by this point in time is that uh, performance and job satisfaction are closely tied to happiness uh, by more than 93%. So um, one of the things that we have to keep in mind as we go through uh, any kind of inventory or assessment on our emotional intelligence are those happiness factors. And we'll talk more about those as we go through the program today. But, you know, how organizations can grow more intellectually and emotionally intelligent is through improving their personal leadership engagement and their team's engagement. And so we're going to focus on that today and hopefully increase everyone's set point for happiness and optimism and um, teach everybody a few tips and tools right here on Leadership Development News that are going to make them even better before the ta- the, the show is even over.
2: That's true, Kathy. And what, what we both like to say is if you can get a few of these small things, micro initiatives, you know, out of, out of today, and we're going to zero in on a couple of these, really hands-on tools around some of these EI uh, competencies, it can have a macro impact. So we like to say these micro initiatives can have a macro impact. And the leader is the emotional thermostat for the team. And we've all seen it. You know, if the leader is in a good mood, they're happy, they're excited, they're passionate, most likely everybody around their circle, they that uh, energy pervades if they're tense, they're upset, they're stressed, that pervades. They're the emotional thermostat, and they're the most contagious person. And so that's a lot of the rationale about why why emotional intelligence, which we'll define in a minute, why is it important for leaders? Leaders are working more with teams. They're working more with people at distance. There is a lot more stress. We're we're on 24-7. And so this idea of how are you responding and one of the uh, last interviews, Kathy, we had, we talked about this whole idea of being conscious and being in the moment, being mindful, and really being aware of the impact. What it, What is the uh, impact? What are the decisions? What's the influence that you want to have consciously? All of us have an influence on folks unconsciously. And so this whole idea of being more aware of what's going on for you, therefore, what kind of message are you are you putting out to your people is so critical.
3: So with we, um, As we move forward here, I'd like to share uh, some case studies, you'd like to share some specific things that we can think about uh, that will help specific to the desired results of competencies in the EQI. And I think maybe before we get started we should take a quick break and um, we'll come right back to talk about some of these exceptional performance attributes. So don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
5: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Leadership Development News. I'm Dr. Riley Nadler talking with Dr. Kathy Greenberg. This show, Kathy and I are talking about our sweet spot, some of the things that we're doing together Emotional intelligence strategies. And so one of the things we're talking about is the EQI 2.0. Just came out in the fall. Both Kathy and I are, are certified in the EQI 2.0. But this uh, EQI 1.0 has has been around for a long time. And uh, we've used that, both Kathy and I have used it prior to the new uh, 2.0. But we want to tell you some of the things that are different about this uh, EQI. QI 2.0 and first the definition that we're using is what is emotional intelligence? Well, it's a set of emotional and social skills that influence the way we perceive and express ourselves, develop and maintain social relationships, cope with challenges, and use emotional information in an effective and meaningful way. Now the new .0 .0 has got new norms, 5,000 adults from both the US and Canada uh, were norm, but what's interesting? They have 200 men and women in all the different age groups, race, race, ethnicity, educational level, geographic regions, are all within 4% of the census targets. And there's a couple changes in the 2.0. Just some of the different names that we're going to go through that they've relabeled. You have self perception. You have self expression. You have an interpersonal category, decision-making, and stress management. And overall, you have this well-being. And it's basically normed like an IQ test. IQ is 100 plus or minus 15. Well, EQ for the EQI is 100, is the uh, average score, plus or minus 15 points. So we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, that. But what I think the other thing that's really fabulous, aside from being a really useful tool, um, is all the evidence-based, the research, the scientific data that's behind that. And, Kathy, maybe you can share some of that that uh, we know is a return on investment for people who want to do more with EQI.
3: Yes. You know, one of the things that I I think most of our listeners hear often over and over and over again is um, it's not enough to say that something will work. What you need is to bring to the table evidence of clear return on investment. And that includes clear statistics and research that link to the EQI. And that's what we have to offer you as well. We have data that shares higher sales and profits. We have data that shows increased performance, improved customer satisfaction, decreased attrition rates, And reduction in training costs while you're improving the individual's capacity to do their job more effectively. And so what we want is for you to hear the right level of information from the stories of companies that have shared their case studies with uh, MHS who is the the creator of the EQI 2.0 and for those of you who are um, what I would call uh, interested, excited, motivated by what emotional intelligence has to offer, you know, Relly and I are uh, right now very focused on the EQI 2.0. So, um, Relly, would you uh, would you like me to talk a little bit more about some of these case studies or do you yeah. want to move
2: through something? Okay. So, yeah, so let me... Because I think cause... what's good about this is there's yeah. these profiles you can get for your own organization you know, depending on these competencies. And that's what, you know, Kathy, you could talk a little bit more about what kind of some of these sure. profiles. Sure. Okay, I'd
3: love to. Well, you know, as I was just saying, the proof is in the results, and we luckily have the results to prove it. One of the big case studies uh, is the study uh, by American Express that was done with MHS, Mental Health Services. And what they were looking for was the ability to predict key characteristics associated with top performers uh, where they could um, have a selection criteria that was generated to help them make and create a higher sales performance. And in this particular instance, uh, they looked at several characteristics and the characteristics in emotional intelligence that predicted a model that significantly differentiated between high and low performers in the sales Representation category. So these are people they wanted to have as sales representatives were the following. They were people who had um, what we would call uh, a, a higher degree of, of empathy and self regard, uh, people who uh, really were focused more on the satisfaction of others, uh, and people who really understood. Uh, one or, or two of the, the highest components uh, in uh, what we would call the emotional intelligence work which, which also included um, looking at the perspective from someone else's point of view and, um, and looking at uh, what they could do to help people make decisions um, using uh, better decision-making categories and also what we might call Uh, testing for reality or reality testing and looking at what kinds of perspectives they needed to have in order to see a sale from the buyer's point of view. And so those were the kinds of competencies um, in the EQI that helped them look at these individuals and be able to say with certainty that they had a capacity for being better sales professionals. So that was a, an example of one.
2: You no, know, Kathy, I'll, I'll, I'll add another. And this is a, a report that we have on our website, ExcelInstitute.com, on the ROI. One was about uh, the United States Air Force and some of the power rescue jumpers. Who would make it through the training? Who wouldn't? Well, what they found is they had the right selection. They did use the uh, – Air Force used this EQI of people to get into these uh, paratroopers that they saved $19 million in training. And a couple of things that they found that the EQI tested is that the folks who made it through successfully were higher in stress tolerance, you know, in a, their ability to handle stress, and they also were very, very high in flexibility. And so you could see in hiring and in selection, if you knew that ahead of time, you could say, okay, here are some folks, and that's what they did do. Here are some folks who are high in this; therefore, there are chances of succeeding in this program, in our, and are uh, and enhancing the success rate. So we don't spend so much on training. And their bottom line was they, in their study, save 19 million dollars per year in training co- costs by selecting the appropriate people with the appropriate profile to be successful.
3: Yeah. This was very exciting because one of the things that I failed to mention in, in the American Express study was the ROI the ROI impact, the return on investment impact, uh, was done uh, concurrently in a follow-up study where they looked at 50 MX leaders who completed... Uh, the EI-based program, right, the emotional intelligence program that went along with the EQI. And that survey showed that 100% of respondents stated that knowing their emotional intelligence strengths And the opportunities that the report provided for them helped them in transitioning to a higher level role. So each one of these case studies, uh, whether it's the Air Force or American Express, clearly indicate takeaways that there is smoother transitions for people from from one role to the next, reducing training costs, and better leadership performance overall. Uh, One of the things I'll add... Uh, as we go into our discussion a little bit further here, O'Reilly, uh, is the, um, the data that we have on insurance agents. Now, this, this company is only known as a Fortune 500 insurance company, but what's important here is they wanted to predict key characteristics associated with top performance in the selection of future agents. And we know many, many, many insurance companies spend millions of dollars, just like the Air Force, creating opportunities and looking for talent across the nation in different, uh, in different ways, whether they're going to colleges or they're interviewing people who are already successful agents. But how do you really get that future agent that's going to be a top performer? Well, the results clearly showed that using the EQI and having the agents complete a concurrent training program that focused The specific predictive characteristics associated with high performance in being an insurance agent were true to form. And, in fact, the takeaways were that using that EQI and uh, the specific training created... Higher performing employees, decreased attrition rates, and the subscales, which we're going to talk about now, that made a big difference in the higher performers were things like self-regard, emotional self-awareness, assertiveness, independence, Social responsibility, doing things for the community. People want to see if you're going to be selling me insurance, you better be a socially responsible person. Also, uh, you had to have um, a lot of impulse control. And the reason is because if you're an insurance person selling health insurance, life insurance, you're going to have to touch on a subject which is very difficult to bring up, and that is talking about sickness, talking about health, and talking about potential death and planning for one's potential And so you can imagine, you know, whether you are the best salesperson or the most highly trained executive in a company who is a leader, when it comes to talking about things that create an emotional reaction and you are dealing with real problem solving and real issues in someone's life, you have to be prepared for the flexibility of your impulse control and recognizing that here's where optimism and happiness and looking to the future and planning for that future are helping to save someone a lot of grief, aggravation, and giving them an opportunity to make decisions before they're put into a position where they're too stressed to do so. So this is really great stuff in many ways for many, many reasons. And, Knowing more about this, you know, anyone who's listening can see how this can make a huge impact in someone's overall ability to be successful.
2: You know, and Kathy, uh, before we go to our next break, if if people want to see some of this evidence-based, uh, there's a return on investment document on excelinstitute.com, and some of this research uh, in which is the profile of of people who are in the top 10%. So it's really this uh, Ruben Baron who started the EQI in 1983, uh, is now currently doing all this research on what does it take to become a star performer. A star performer is someone defined in the top 10%. In every organization, it may be a little different. And so that's why from a selection standpoint and then a training standpoint, zeroing in on the star performer uh, profiles. And if you want more information, there's an ROI study, return on investment on ExcelInstitute.com. This is Leadership Development uh, News, and we're going to be right back.
5: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: And internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com.
5: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
1: You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show.
2: Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking about emotional intelligence strategies, the EQI, and we really like the idea of doing this once a month or so where we can tell you a little bit about uh, emotional intelligence, EQI, and we're going to zero in on three. There's 15 competencies. We're going to zero in on three so that you can have some takeaways. Uh, Before I jump into that, just a little bit of the background. You know, this idea of competencies, searching for competencies, really started with with David McClellan at the Harvard Institute, uh, at Harvard University, probably uh, 35 or more years ago, looking at what's the difference between someone who is highly effective and someone who is just effective, and studied folks who are highly effective, what are the competencies, what are they doing different, really started this whole train of research. Uh, one of his students, Richard Boyasis, did the first competency study It with the Navy in 1975. What's the difference of high performers versus average performance? Ruben Barron, who did the EQI, coined the term EQ. His PhD dissertation was developing this instrument, which we now we have the EQI 2.0, in 1985. The term emotional intelligence, different than emotional quotient, first came up by psychologists that... Uh, Salovey and Mayer in an article and then Daniel Goleman in 1995 after seeing that term emotional intelligence wrote the book emotional intelligence and even proliferated this uh, process even more so and you have folks like Kathy and myself um, coaches consultants bringing this on a day-to-day level into the organization. So as we look at some of the competencies There is five broad areas, which I'll mention, and then we're going to zero in on one of them. And so the broad areas are self-perception, which has self-regard, self-actualization, and emotional self-awareness. Self-expression, which has emotional expression, assertiveness, and independence. And then you have the whole interpersonal aspect which is interpersonal relationships, empathy, social responsibilities. People would get a score on each one of these that I'm describing, you know, 100 plus or minus 15. And then you have stress management, which in there is flexibility, stress tolerance, optimism. And the one that we're going to zero in on, and we figured we'd start with this of the five, is decision-making. And that has problem-solving, reality-testing, And impulse control. And the reason we want to start with that, Kathy, you and I are always dealing with executives, and I think this is a good entry standpoint that they're making decisions every single day, critical, strategic, important decisions. And there are some of these emotional intelligence competencies that really make up um, decision making. And so the definition of decision making in uh, one of these five areas is. The way in which one uses emotional information, how well do you understand the impact of emotions and what they're having on your decision-making? So what does it include? It includes the ability to resist or delay impulses and remain objective to avoid rash behaviors and ineffective problem-solving.
3: And, you know, Riley, I just want to jump in here quickly. Sure. One of the case studies that is in our report The ROI report we were just referring to that's at the Excel Institute website um, is the report from the Center for Creative Leadership. You know, many of the people that are listening to our show have had um, experience with either through marketing or through data that has been uh, published by the Center for Creative Leadership, CCL, Um, so they should not be a stranger to CCL, but what I found interesting is that CCL has used this tool. And the reason why they used it was to evaluate key emotional intelligence characteristics that helped them define high-performing leaders. And interestingly enough, really, to the point you were just making about impulse control, uh, is one of the highest areas of of influence for successful leaders was in their ability to manage their impulse control. And... um, this, this is a huge factor for many, many people and uh, will come to bear on a lot of what the emotional intelligence story has to say about leadership.
2: So to thank you, Kathy. So to kind of define where we want to zero in so so that on this show you really have a, an idea of one of these key areas. We're looking at decision-making made up of impulse control, reality testing, and problem solving. So let's first, Kathy, let's first look at like you are just uh, got us in this area of impulse control. What is it? It's under the decision-making category, and it's the ability to resist or delay an impulse, drive or temptation to act. And it also involves avoiding rash behaviors and decision-making. And then maybe, Kathy, we have where you're high and low. Maybe you can describe that, and then I can give some different examples.
3: Sure. I mean, one of the things that I work on personally, if I can just divulge a little (laughs) bit here is working on my impulse control. Now, you can imagine uh, if you are going shopping and you see a lot of beautiful things, uh, you could get yourself into some pretty nice credit card debt just shopping for small things that add up. So one of the the things that you look for when you're trying to manage your impulse control is remaining composed, okay? And one of those um, uh, things that helps you control Your impulse and uh, your decision-making is also good control of aggression. You know, how aggressive do you want to be uh, with uh, a particular area of interest. And, you know, while it's great to go out every year and uh, look at um, what I would call your, your wardrobe and start over and look for things that might help dress you for success, many of us want to be dressed for success, you also have to manage the, the aggression with which you go after something. So it's not only the behavior that you show, being composed or being aggressive, but how it plays out in your behavioral Attributes that then become an action, such as buying or shopping. And so, one of the things that you have to learn is the ability to delay or resist an impulse. And then, once you can do that, you can also master your own tolerance for frustration, which leads you to being more patient. And this is an area where I practice often, I practice wisely, and I practice across an array of areas, not only in leadership. Shopping, but also in how I am uh, treating others, and how you become more highly productive in life is by being very careful about how you want to be perceived by others. And this area of decision making is a great one to start with, and it's been very helpful to me.
2: Well, thanks, Kathy. Let me—I'll give another example of someone that I was uh, coaching, and. Um, one of the things that we say is the manager default is the fine fault. And so there's take some impulse control because there's always fault around to be able to be found. But the manager default is the fine fault. This executive would have these uh, daily meetings every day. And I interviewed a lot of people on his, on his team, and they um, wanted to avoid those meetings. The daily meetings they called daily beatings. And so every day they'd go, okay, here we go for the daily beatings. And it was this impulse control or the lack of the impulse control that really led to that. And uh, we've talked about this idea that Goldman has uh, coined the amygdala hijack. When we interviewed him, he kind of defined that. it's The lack of impulse control is in the amygdala that is the fight, flight, or freeze response. And when you have that response, and especially if you're stressed out and there's a lot of things going wrong, um, that overtakes the prefrontal cortex where your IQ points lie. So we like to say that if you don't have impulse control, you're very likely in certain situations to lose 10 or 15 IQ points. And it's always like, I can't believe I said that, I can't believe I did that, how can I think that? Well. The reality was you were thinking, but in a limited capacity, your IQ points were were below. we have plenty of opportunities or plenty of um, examples. The one that kind of stands out that's kind of interesting is the and how this can define your career. The person who said to Obama uh, in one of Obama 's speeches, "You lie and got uh, known for that, Joe Wilson he will be defined by that impulse outburst. Here's the president of the United States speaking, and what was interesting is that it was through the speech, where everybody was standing up, clapping, applauding, that he probably had to manage his impulses for a while. And then finally there was some disagreement about some uh, amendments around immigration, and Joe Wilson shouted out, you lie. Defined his career, you know, and, and overshadows probably all the great stuff that he did do. And so one of the things that we like to talk about, you know, which is important, is this idea of controlling yourself, your impulse control, it's a limited capacity. Meaning that the more you try, the more that you limit your impulse control, which we all have to do, or you limit your impulses, it's like the brakes on your car, that every time you put the brakes on, you may have a little less brake shoes. And then second time, less brake shoes, third time. And so when you've had it, for most of the folks listening, it's at the end of the day. You don't have any more breaks, you don't have any more impulse control unless you've done some specific things to recharge. And some of the things that Kathy and I talk about in the, in the programs that, that we do, we are gonna have a program where you can take the EQI and have um, three tele-sessions where we're zero in. Today we're looking at impulse control and as a way to protect your IQ points, uh, Kathy, maybe I'll mention a couple, and then maybe you can say some of your favorite ones. If you don't do this during the day, you're setting yourself up for a hijack at the end of the day. You don't have the brakes anymore, and there's enough stress every day in the work world that this idea of recharging uh, yourself is critical so that you don't lose your impulse control and lose those IQ points for decision-making. Well, I'll tell you one of
3: the big ones for most people is they eat at their desk. They think they're saving their self time by bringing their lunch and sitting at their desk and getting more work done. Well, yes and no. You may be getting more work done from a quantifiable standpoint, but are you really getting the quality of the work done that you need to? And are you treating yourself fairly and respecting yourself? Because if you really need to take a break, Why don't you take your food to a more pleasant part of the building? Maybe, you know, sit outside if the weather's nice, get some fresh air, or change your point of view or perspective, even if it's not to share your lunch with other folks. That's a great way to keep your, what I would call, happiness factors in check while you're also serving the company.
2: And, Kathy, we'll come back to this, and we're going to go to a break with a couple more maybe quick tips for folks. And this is Leadership Development News, Today we're talking about emotional intelligence strategies, and we're zeroing in on three key areas.
5: The Business Community's First Choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. always talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network
1: you're listening to leadership development news profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts dr kathy greenberg and relly nadler We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now,
2: let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking about emotional intelligence strategies. Kathy and I just talked about one on the decision-making, which is impulse control, and now we want to talk about the second one, under that category, is reality testing. And uh, let me give you a definition, and maybe, Kathy, you can talk about some high and low uh, <laughs> situations. So what is reality testing? Capacity to remain objective by seeing things as they really are. And it involves recognizing when emotions or your own personal bias can cause one to be less objective. This is so ubiquitous for folks. And maybe, Kathy, you can tell us a little bit. What does it look like if you're high or low in that?
3: Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the things that we know is that when someone is high uh, in reality testing, you're tuned into your environment. I mean, you are really looking around, you're assessing your environment, and you are uh, including a lot of different data factors there. When you are... uh, being um, consistent in, in your reality testing. You're also assessing your life situation more fairly and more accurately. You're not just looking at where you are today. You're looking at where you want to be in the future and how today relates to that future. So you can see with perspective and depth. And one other area which I think is helpful to people is Definitely being grounded. You know, you feel as a human being that when you're reality testing that you're grounded in a plan or a thought process or a perspective that helps you scan and assess all situations with what we would call a more rounded point of view.
2: And you think about the executives, Kathy, that we work with all day long. They're talking and making decisions and they are having all these emotional reactions, it doesn't get the same uh, focus. It's not as transparent. And that's why it's so critical, because obviously it does affect that. One of the examples um, is I have a couple blog articles on psychology today about Steve Jobs. One of the things that came up with him around reality testing was what what everybody at Apple called the reality distortion field. It was, wow. it was his his way of distorting reality. And so he would have scored very low probably on this reality testing. It also was a, you know, great strength that he kind of was so uh, had so much passion about things. But there are a lot of consequences of the reality distortion field. One, a lot of people couldn't work with him. There are a lot of people who would be retired and millionaires these days, you know, sitting at home and could not stand working with him. And because of unrealistic deadlines, it hurt product releases. One of the people uh, who was a board member, Arthur Rock, said uh, about him, and this is about the reality testing. He got ideas in his head, and the hell with what anybody else wanted to do. Being the founder of the company, he went off and did them regardless whether it ended up being good for the company or not. And I would say good for the company or good for the people. So phenomenal success. But probably around the reality testing, there was the good, but there was also the bad about that.
3: That's intense. So so I guess uh, some of the low qualities or lower qualities of reality testing then really might be being tuned out to what's going on around you, having unrealistic goals and uh, objectives when it comes to the resources that you have at hand or – the amount of tolerance people have for your timeline, you know, if you're not giving people an opportunity to plan appropriately or see the view, and I guess being a little disconnected uh, because that reality distortion field seems
2: pretty intense the way you described it. Yes. Well, and also the people got awards uh, at Apple for the people that could stand up to jobs. Now, it's not only talking about jobs. There's anybody in your organization it, you know, you may see reality or in a different way, and do you have the courage to stand up and say, well, here's how I see it. So this idea of what's going on with me internally and, and is the internal-external around reality testing. Wow, intense stuff. How about – can we look at problem solving? Yeah, so the last one in this area of decision-making is problem solving. So I'll give the definition. It's the ability to find solutions to problems in situations where emotions are involved includes the ability to understand how these emotions impact decision-making. So, again, you could see how your IQ could be affected. Maybe, Kathy, you could say, what does it look like if you're high or low on that? And then we'll end with a couple examples.
3: Well, you know, when you're high on problem-solving, you're very good at gathering information, uh, weighing it, looking at the pros and cons, and uh, being very objective about what you've gathered as information, and how those pros and cons will impact the desired outcome. Uh, Another uh, one of the uh, qualities of somebody with a high problem-solving capacity is someone who can actually identify the problems with potential solutions. You know, when I was a managing partner at one of the world's largest uh, consulting firms, we uh, often... Made a distinct decision to only work with people who not only brought us the problems but who brought us at least three what we would call solutions. You know, the one that had uh, the easiest opportunity, the one that was uh, kind of a middle of the road opportunity and the one that was, um, was going to be probably a little more difficult but get us a better end result. So having solutions to the problems is also a way of knowing that you are high in problem solving, and last but not least, using a systematic approach. Mm-hmm. Pardon me, that approach is uh, you know a set of processes, a set of steps, understanding uh, what's
2: required in terms of people, resources, and time. You know, Kathy, you've been in these meetings, and so have I. You can. You can tell when someone's a clear thinker, which would be on this problem-solving. It's in how they think, but then how they communicate it and how they lay it out. They get people to follow their logic. And so one of the examples, and we've seen this, Kathy, we talked about your IQ individually and then your EQ. And if you're not dealing with your EQ, your emotional quotient, it can affect your IQ. I've seen it so many times in teams, and I'm sure you have, around the group IQ. You get all these people who are very smart, 115 to 125 in their IQ, very, very smart, but they don't know how to work and collaborate together. Another one of the EQ, EI skills, the group IQ can go way down. Here's all these smart people, but because of egos, my way or the highway – seniority, talking with confidence, not asking questions of other people, and you get a dumbed-down decision. Smart people not able to use their emotional intelligence well and get a very dumbed-down decision. People aren't challenging it. People may have uh, lapses in logic, and it can really affect the organization and the the bottom line.
3: Oh, absolutely. You can also, with one, I would say, Failed attempt at problem solving, demoralize, devalue, and undermine the success of the entire organization.
2: That's that, it is really huge. And so, um, just a word that Kathy and I, if you go to excelinstitute.com, what we're putting together for folks who just want to get a taste of this is you can take the uh, EQI, and then we're going to have three tele sessions that we're going to get a lot more into detail about how do you turn that into an action plan for yourself. Going back to what we said earlier, one of the key things around the EQI is around selection and how to be a a star performer. So we'll be able to, um, you'll be able to have this EQI information and turn it into a peak performance plan for yourself. So, if you're interested uh, in that, ExcelInstitute.com is our website with a lot of information on there. That ROI study would be a great place to start. And then um, we will also have some information once we get our dates set for this tele seminar, a quick, affordable way to really um, ground some of these tools. And you may be interested in having Kathy and I come to your organization um, you know, individually or, or personally to lead some of these uh, EQI trainings that we can either train your staff or to be certified in it, and just to use it as a tool to develop a peak performance plan? Well, one of the
3: things that I hope everybody will at least take a look at is the website for the EQI ROI tool, which is the Return on Investment Case Studies, which you can take a look at. And uh, they should stay tuned. Uh, to future shows where we're going to continue to help people understand more about these emotional intelligence competencies. But I think the best news, Raleigh, is we're doing this for a third of the cost that other um, organizations are providing assessment and reports at, because we're doing them by groups, and as a result, people get more for their money. And I think, and this is just me speaking, they're going to learn a lot in a group setting where they have other people to think
2: through the issues with. Yeah, I think through, and then I will have some homework assignments, and to really kind of very really grounded for them. So, Kathy, thanks. I'm excited about doing this. Well, once a month or so, we'll try to have some more in-depth look aside from the experts that we interview, that you and I can uh, drill down in these competencies.
3: Well, I've enjoyed the show today, and I hope we get to do more of this in the near future. I know you said once a month, but I'm thinking maybe maybe even more than once a month. Maybe we'll do a whole month of shows where we spend, uh, you know, more time on the subject on a weekly basis, and we'll see what our audience thinks of that, and then they can download those. How's that?
2: Yeah. No, that sounds good. We can (laughs) talk more about it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for, for tuning in and tuning up your performance. This has been Dr. Roy Nadler and Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and please tune in again next week.